Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! like about this time of year Mm -mm. nothing just kidding i like at halloween the candy's fresh (laughs) yeah fresh off the candy it is because if you get candy y'all if you get candy midsummer it's like old candy but the reese's the peanut butter's fresh the snickers are fresh the candy's good this time of year because at halloween they've all had to produce a lot of candy which weirdly the pandemic did not impact candy you, yeah, can't how, fi- you can't find a lot of things right now at your local Wally World Dollar General, but you can find the candy. Can you? Yes, you can find the candy. By the way, this is the Marketing Money Podcast for those of you that might have accidentally This stumbled. is what we call a cold open. When, when you slipped in the uh, and fell into the podcast this morning, you were like, what am I listening to? And you're the Marketing Money I Podcast. I have to select. I don't think anybody accidentally... Oh, anyway. they do. They do. How do we think? How do you think we got any of our listeners that accidentally well, slipped into the podcast? They got trapped. In, it's it like the Venus, the Venus flytrap of it is just it suckers you in. So, a couple things. One, um, Dan Ingham, as I was saying earlier, friend of the podcast, friend of us, client of Mavis Agency, First National Bank of Central Texas, Waco, Texas. They have a a confectionery manufactory um, that makes. Uh, I think you said Starburst. So by, do you market them? Are they a client? Yeah. So by second hand, you help market a bank to Willy Wonka? No, 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 no. They no, 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 no. They. I don't think they bank them. I'm just saying in their town of Waco, there is a uh, there's a Starbucks. Factory. I was gonna say this got real interesting because we're gonna have to go shoot some video, and I don't even have anything to do with it. It's not a Skittles factory. Well, I'm out then. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I don't know what people I like make. Skittles. Love Skittles. Except for the green ones. I don't like the green ones. I was going to say the green but green M&Ms are the best because you have home runs when you eat green M&Ms. Yeah, according to green Skittles, you have bad breath. It's sour it? apple. It's nasty. Okay. So he says during, he reported to me that during Easter and, or the months leading up to Easter and, and, um, Halloween, it just smells like starburst in the air. Where is this magical place? Waco, Texas. Waco mm-hmm. smells like Starburst. Yeah, during like September, like, October, um, March, April. That might one up Santa Fe, New Mexico for best smell of the, the city. Pinion. If you've not been to Santa Fe, New Mexico, I'm going to highly suggest you go just for the fact that it smells amazing. Just walk around downtown the plaza. They burn pinion wood. It's just it's a cool. It's it's one of the coolest vibes. I was there November of 2019. It's crisp, but not like freezing. Oh, it like it was great. Like you just it's put just your little a sweater on and pop into a little little pub. Uh, oh, in the afternoon about five thirty, and it smells amazing outside, and it's just cold enough to be. Did you ever go to the? I think you didn't go to the Pink Adobe that I recommended when you were there. I didn't have enough time. Yeah, but uh, but it was a uh, it. High, just the smell of it. I, I can tell you, it's it's weird. It's and weird I told to say you that. before you went. You told me that and I was like, whatever, dude. It must have just been some time you were there. Something. All of a sudden, I'm downtown. I'm like, this place smells amazing. Yeah. It, to the point where one of my favorite gifts to give is pinion wood incense burner. Do you? I gave you one, right? You did. You did. Do you use it? It's illegal in the bank. I can't do it. Can't. 
Yeah, well, even here in the Mavis Agency where we do regularly burn incense because we're, you know, hippie weirdos, every time our office manager comes up and, like, just making sure. Yeah, just make sure it's not on fire. Which I, is I, good. I, I take it home and light it up and make my house smell like New Mexico. No, it's especially like this, like, like and I don't, I don't want to, I don't like fireplaces personally in my home. I've got five fireplaces. In my yeah, home. I just don't like doing the whole thing and. I don't know. Grew up one, had migraines growing up. Uh, one of our smokes too much the opposite direction the way it should. Comes the flume the... is not big enough or something. I don't know. It's yeah. just it's not good. But I, I like fireplaces. I, I like them. I would I would I would sit by your fire and your fireplace, but as long as I get to leave and not clean it up. So do you like fireplaces or Halloween candy more? Halloween candy. No, no. See, it's it Fireplace is more because I I like I didn't eat any Halloween. I'm not I have a sweet tooth, but like it it just hits at different weird different times. Like I can't just go like smash a bag of candy. No, uh, I'm more like gummy bears by the computer. Yeah, gummy bears with salt on them is really good. Actually, what? Yes, strange but good. Strange but good. I've tried salt it. on gummy bears is good. It's kind of like when your grandmother used to make a uh, apple pie, uh, apple pies, and she would soak the apple in salt water as it was mm. sitting there, so it wouldn't get brown. Yeah, and you'd steal some, and it had that salty, crisp bite to the. Mm. Never did that. I, I never the did green the, apple. I never did the salt on the um, watermelon and stuff either. I couldn't do that. It's pretty good. Yeah, it just, just gives it a little bite. I don't know. It's never been for me. I don't know. It's it's a good time of year. It's getting a little crisper. The days can still hit almost seventy, but the nights are falling in the forties. The problem is the time. Like I I'm, I'm going to text you like Saturday or Sunday, and, I, and like I was like, what's up with it being dark at seven a.m.? Because I knew you were up. We're not even there yet. Wait till February when it's when it, the sun comes up at nine a.m. and goes down at three thirty. Yeah, it's just we just get that thin band of sunlight. And you're tired at six o'clock, and you're like, gosh, we stand up for three Leaving, more hours. Like this is the this is the the times where you have to appreciate because yeah, it still does get dark early, but it's not like four p.m. It's also the time when you're driving home and and your eyes are just blinded because the sun is so low. Oh yeah, just in, awful. The morning too. But people aren't dialing in or listening in to this amazing podcast to hear us talk about Halloween candy, Sun, New Mexico, and what type of pinion is. Oh, pinion. by the way, by the way, pinion you can get it at like Home Depot, Lowe's to like, burn or yeah, for burn. like no to burn. What what else do you do with it? I mean, is it just a burning wood, or I is think it? So. Can you build with it? Can you create I don't know. Lincoln I Logs I, with it? I don't know. I think a lot of the stuff out there maybe like is like pinion wood than like adobe over the what top. What family of, it. of tree is pinion wood from? I think pine, pine okay. or ever, evergreen. It smells like it. Yeah, it may gum up your flue in your chimney. Like it may get that chrysote in your chimney. Yeah, it's. Nah, I burn. I, I burn it out in a in like a fire pit, but it still gives you that Santa Fe smell. The Santa Fe smell. It's and it is. It's a smell. And it's, it's true. A, and, and it's also, as they say, it's a vibe. Like, it's a real vibe. Look, 80% of Santa Fe are 60-year-old dudes with the man ponytail. Mm-hmm. They're like some type of artist or mm-hmm. almost like a Kerouac-type per- person that's mm-hmm. fallen out of the world. And, yeah. But, like, has money and strangely can do whatever they want to do, but all kind of lives there and just lives this, like, bohemian life. Yeah. It's it's they're cool though. Like if you if you just need to go to Abbey, people are going to talk to you, and, and, and they're cool. They're going to be the most interesting stories you've oh, ever heard. Super interesting. Don't know if it's true, but it's a bunch of Hemingway, Jimmy Buffett. Oh, I was talking to a guy in the plaza. I've always wanted to be into like the turquoise jewelry, like wear have a ring on every hand guy, the like, belt buckle and, and the bracelets, bolo. like bracelets, a bow. Like I want to be that guy. True confession. Like I want to be that guy, and I just I've tried it, and it's it just work. like. 
I'm not that guy. It's look, there. I want to be that guy. You got, you got to have like the leathery skin. You got to be like road worn and interesting. But I sent her talking to a guy named his last name, native name was was Chimney Top, I think, um, or Chimney Hat, and he makes all, most of Billy Bob Thornton's turquoise jewelry. Like, because Billy Bob wears a lot of Western. He does. And, you know, you're kind of sitting there like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, you're just trying to sell me up, you know, a ring or whatever. And uh, and I'm sitting there contemplating, like, can I be... Can I pull like, this off? Can I be Johnny Depp or whatever? Can I have turquoise and, like, whatever? And Lenny, he Lenny pull, Kravitz. He yeah, wears a bunch of stuff He like pulls that. out the pictures and, like, here he is with Billy Bob, like, picking up stuff. So either they've just crossed path, like, ten times. Because it was, like obviously different because billy bob like it's like looking at like a broken rock at the strata and you've been able to tell that like there was the thick billy bob from um sling blade ain't got no gas you know that thin billy bob yeah then angelina jolie billy bob where it was like barely anything like he was like a rock man billy bob yeah anyway so he had that like billy bob goliath billy bob yeah which by the way underrated football coach billy bob yeah, Permian type Panther. He's uh, quite the actor, quite the thespian. <laughs> he is. Anywho. Anyway, so that so like this guy just. There's certain things we can't pull off. Your turquoise. I can't pull off a cowboy hat. I can't. I look. I, I, look I think I look okay in a cowboy hat. hat. You did. I look ridiculous. Like it just. It's kind of like in City Slickers when Billy Crystal tries to put on the and cowboy puts on the, hat and puts on his Mets hat and he's like, "Yeah, whatever. I just wear this." That's me. Like I just. I look stupid. Yeah. So I'm just like, I ah, just give me just give me the regular hat. Well. Anyway, certain things we can't pull off. But you know what you can pull off? Good marketing. Good marketing as a bank, or just a business in general. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see a problem with the displaying or the ability to present. The relevant information to the customer. I think what we have to face is that marketing is not intuitive to to a lot of people, and and I've always assumed it. I've always assumed it was because of the same reason that the the you know jack wagon in the room. That's like I'm a consumer. I know marketing. I know what I like. When you're like trying to have a, there is a big separation between expertise and consumer oh, and we see it play out i talk in, about all the time people eat so they think they can cook yeah or people watch football so they think they can play it or they you uh, ride a bike so you think you can make one or you turn on electricity so now you think you can run a power plant it, it and and so you consume marketing every day but now you're a marketer and but it's a lot easier to do it because it's so qualitative that people see it and they think well i can i can do marketing i'll tell you what i like i've tried yeah I, i'll tell you what i like and and that's the worst thing you can do is is be you know n- completely subjective and by subjective, I mean well, I think subject that, to what you I think you that's like. one of the traditionally major fails of uh, law practices and family-owned banks because there's always a strong head of the organization. Medical. Medical, and, and especially like traditional law firms and, and traditional older community banks, is you'll have a strong head CEO, someone who created oh, it, started How many times have you heard the, well, well you know, Jake... Just ah, we can't do that advertising. Jake just don't like advertising. Uh, oh, or old or, man, or Jake. they want it to be the way they want it, so it's an ad with someone playing golf in it because yeah. that's what they do. Oh, it appeals to them, and they do the ad where they're like, different shots require different clubs. Careful now, and I so think you're describing the so when a you real ad. when you're banking different 
products for different and, and you look at moments, the product, and the, you're like, no one can relate to this. And you look it's at the just, product mix, and it's like seven percent retail account. <laughs> it's and which you know have female, which not that females don't play golf, obviously, but I'm just saying, like generally, like it's a. It's still probably an eighty twenty sport, if not ninety ten. Yeah, I mean, but but. And that's just a fact. It is what it is. But to the point of it, uh, this whole conversation started because this morning, while I was... Uh, Where did this even come from? I'm telling you, I was, I'm not going to mention the name because I don't want anybody's feelings, but I was riding to work and I had a pop-up ad on The Score, which is an app I typically oh, look through. so just, this was an ad. It was. An, you didn't tell me this. I, well, I hadn't talked to you yet, and it was too much to text. So uh, an, I had a, an ad, a, a digital... A digital um, Organic native, whatever you want, an ad. It was a block ad in an app. I was scrolling through the scores. Geotargeted. But it we was, don't no, know. It was geotargeted because I live in the marketplace. Where oh, I did. It I is. thought we never could find the location. I found it uh, through other research. Okay. But my point was, I looked at it. There was a a restaurant, and it said like, it, it was a picture of of a dish. It looked actually pretty good, and then it said, um, you know, your only local seafood. 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 I wasn't gonna say, it, but it said seafood. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of choices for seafood here, so I click. I was like, "Well, that looks cool. Might want to try it for lunch or dinner." So I clicked on the ad. It goes to a website. The website had no menu, no location, no times or hours, no um, phone number, no nothing really. It was pictures of food and apply to work here. Like we're hiring, apply yeah. to work here. Which I thought, well, maybe it's new, and they're they're getting staffed up or whatever. So then I went and Googled it. And skipped the website and found an article about it where it, like it opened a year ago and it had that it's located in town. It has it had the menu on the article and their hours. It had all the information I needed. But what was crazy to me was the very business that has complete control over the information has no information. And I'm reading it from an article about their grand opening a year ago. And I thought, this is the biggest Number one is advertising waste. You're paying to have a message put in front of the consumer that cannot be converted. It can't be. Right. There, there was no way to contact. I just happened to be like a marketing nerd and was like, I'm going to go look up all this stuff because now I feel like I have to find it. Or I'm going to sit there all day and be like, what is this restaurant all about? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's two things at play. I mean, I think there's the the thing that we have to understand that is, and, you know, I've tried to be a consensus builder on this and and, you know, obviously in my job I have to. Sometimes the person, you know, who's paying the bills is that person who has those um, proclivities or whatever, that CEO or whatever of, of that bank. We find that that typically does not work out well with us, like personality-wise and like what we're trying to do. You know, if you really didn't want to do advertising, I don't know why you'd call an ad agency because it happens. You know, like, let's do some advertising, but the CEO really doesn't like ads. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the, the weirdest one that we see a lot of times is email, like trying to build an email platform and people that don't like to get email have like a negative reaction like well first there's a difference between junk email and and good uh, nurturing substantiative email but those personal biases anyway i think there are two things going on those personal biases of the of the of the business owner are are whether it's an owner or representative or whatever and so what about the person selling the ad to them because i know what happened there and you know what happened there some restaurateur trying to make ends meet probably spending all their time trying to get staff because, I mean, obviously that's a nightmare right now. And not trying to give them a pass, but just saying, like, strengths and weaknesses. They're trying to get their supply lines for their seafood, and they're obviously having employee problems. And an ad person comes in and is like, I can help you. Yeah. And I'm going to run you some digital display ads. But I can tell you it was an ad salesperson, not an ad strategy. Right. Absolutely. So it's probably like some... 
Because they're getting paid. Some new evolution of the yellow whatever. They're trying to sell digital ads now, and they don't know nothing to speak Oh, stupidly. If I had to guess, I, I guarantee it was either a newspaper or a, a Comcast type. Somebody trying yeah. to sell digital ads who really was some other media. Yeah. And they're like, we'll do digital ads. And it's like, well, do you have a landing page or do you have a website? I really don't. Well, we do that for, you know, another $200 and some jack wagon back at, you know, ad sales, whatever, just threw up the rudiments of it. And this guy or gal is spending restaurateur who's trying to like just wasted his money because, but again, it's still that caveat emptor, beware the buyer. So, so I'm not absolving that person from like caring and critiquing it, but this is what happens in advertising so much is it's so, and, and I would say certainly a lesson of banking is it's really weird to me, this dichotomy that we go into in conversations a lot of times with banks where it's like, there's somebody who absolutely knows the bank needs to advertise and mature and have a comprehensive advertising strategy, and then somebody's like diametrically opposed to it. I've never understood the opposition to advertising other than the cost. I get, I get there's a cost and someone would say, well, I feel like it's a waste of money. If yeah. that's an argument, that's your argument. It's incorrect, but... It is. Well, I mean, bad... Bad advertising. It's like bad, bad Because email. you've only had bad advertising. Bad email's awful. <laughs> well, know. and I do find a lot, a lot of senior management tiers that don't like email is because they don't use email really the way that Gen Xers, Millennials, and others do, where a lot of us look at it as one of the top three or four forms of communication we use. They just, they don't, they don't really have to use it because they're going meeting to meeting, they're on conference call, yeah. they're in person all the time. Well, then and, the other it, generation, it doesn't appeal to them. It's old. Email is such a weird, weird Super thing. weird. When you look at the timeline of it, we were talking about CDs earlier and how nostalgic, like, so we we're talking about um, a, a friend of mine, a coworker, talking about like, did you put your CDs in the big case when you were a teenager? Because I put mine in the big case, but I didn't want to throw away the jewel cases because they were cool and they had the liner notes and the lyrics. And so I had like these towers of like empty jewel That's cases. Miserable. But I had my books. I'm really nostalgic about CDs and going to the video store. Going to the video store was a fantastic experience as a young person. And I really miss it. Walking around looking at the boxes and seeing if there was one hidden behind yeah, the like, box you, you could take home the, for the new release. Yeah. That part was stressful. The like, well, all the Terminator 2s. It's are, pretty much what you do on Netflix now. Yeah. You just don't choose but, one. But there was something about the smell of that place and the, the ritual of maybe picking up a pizza, you know, on the way home or whatever. I just remember dropping. I was always late. The, those late fees, man. Dropping oh, off yeah. those movies. Don't rewind them. The don't rewind was so dumb to me. Yeah. I was like, really? I got to rewind it. So anyway, that. We're talking about all of that, but the CD, like, you know, it had just, it was super intense for like a, and I know they still sell CDs, right? Cars still have CD players in it, but like, for me, maybe the regular cassette tape probably had a shorter lifespan than CD because we went eight track, cassette, and then CD. But email is in that. Like, there's a group of working professionals right now, important people in organizations that don't know how to send and receive email. Charles Barkley. Yes. Did you see that this week? Did I send that to you? Uh -uh. Charles Barkley does not know how. He, he was in an interview, and they uh, he, he admitted, he said, I do not know how to send or originate an email. He said, now I can open up my phone, and when someone sends me one, you can reply. I can reply. He said, but I don't know how to originate an email. He said, I've never originated an email. Yes, don't know so how he to doesn't do know it. how to open the new and put it. Doesn't know how to do and, it. And look, as silly as that may sound to a lot of people, there's a group of people that were already like, Decent level execs in the 90s and, two th and and even 
because slow adoption. Even in the early 2000s when email really proliferated, who had an assistant. And I've, I've talked to an individual. We've talked about it. A business professional who came to me and asked me, and John too, I think separately, and like, I need to understand email. How's this work? And I'm like, email marketing? Like, no, I like did the, I don't know, because they were a good, uh, a high level or decently high level executive and had an assistant when email came in. And this person's doing his job. Oh, I, I've told you, I knew a high level senior executive at a very prestigious brand that when he was on his kind of way out getting ready to retire, but his last like year and a half at work, the secretary would um, print the, each email, yeah. put a stack of, he had a, an inbox and an outbox on his desk, like the physical one. Yeah, just like. And they would drop a stack of all the emails printed. He'd write a and he response. Would, he would go below because it'd be at the top of the page. He would write a response in hand and move it to the outbox. The secretary would get that stack go back and respond to all mm -hmm. his emails, he never even knew how to open a computer. Like, no. he didn't know how to hit log in. Right. But, he, but if you emailed him, you would get a response. But that person's going, I'm saying that there are people still in the workforce that do something similar to that. And then you have a younger generation who thinks emails for old people. So my point is there's this middle-aged group of people that I wouldn't say love email. Like nobody loves email, I don't think. But it's, it's my preferred form of communication. But it's incredibly. I mean, you got a trail. You can go back and read the. It, there's a lot of benefits to email. I'm not going to extol the. Well, benefits. then there's the personality of who uses it. Like for me, I'm almost an instant response and back and forth. You may take a day or two. It's just depending mm -hmm. on what it is uh, and the importance of. I know it. that I know a couple of clients are like, yeah, Josh is like. I know that I'm going to get my response for Josh on Saturday. Yeah, because that's just when we're just I can. I'm, I'm working up until nine o'clock at night and and part of that is, is just nature of the beast but but back to the original thing i'm going to say this and it frustrates me because airlines do this a lot and i've had a really big hang up with airlines lately put the phone number to reach you on your website put the phone number on the home page of your website because if a customer is especially in today's world and i don't want to judge everyone by you josh or me but like the typical start is, I'm going to look online, I'm going to look and see if there's a way to get in touch with you through the email, the confirmation, the text, whatever I got from you. If I can't get in touch with you that way because your bot can't answer my question, which 80% of the time I feel like it never can, I've got to call and talk to you. And then I go to your website and there's no phone number or it's buried six pages deep at the bottom of a page. And then when I call that phone number, it takes me to a call tree that then says there's a four-hour wait or someone has to call me back. I, You know, put the phone number where I can get to it because that just makes me even matter. And then you want to claim you have this great customer culture. Your culture is you don't want your customers to deal with you because your service is bad, so you're hiding your stuff somewhere. Well, Your number it, needs to be on the homepage. And you got two problems. So you got... Understaffed call center, too. Well, you got, well you got two problems. One, in, in the big corporations, we have a, a phenomenon called dark patterns where they're manipulating the situation, the consumer, to do what they want to do. Like, one of the most famous dark patterns is try to delete your Amazon account. Like, not just unsubscribe or whatever. Try to... Get off. Get, just, like, I'm done. no longer Going to purchase anything. Yeah. Facebook is, like, next tier down. Like, you think about, well, why would you want to delete it? I don't know. But, like, if you just wanted to, like, I don't want my information in Amazon anymore, it is notoriously difficult. But, but... You can do it, but that's a dark pattern. In other words, we don't want you to 
We want you. We're going to make it really easy for like, hey, stop getting emails from us, you know, all that. But you're still going to be in our ecosystem. So there's that, and then the other side is just pure ignorance. Like, just, huh? I didn't think of it. Or just well, and but I want to be poor careful. Corporate marketing. I want to be careful because we do work in bank marketing, and banks are notorious for having things. I, I, there's a bank that we worked, we're working with. Sorry to call you out if you still listen to the podcast, but wanted their routing number at the top, like this ridiculously prominent spot. And we sort of agreed to disengage. We this not over the routing number, but like it was pretty apparent we weren't going to have a good fit. I look back that web the website they were building after they built it. The routing number was on our homepage three times. On their homepage three times. <laughs> the routing number was on the homepage three times. So what I worry about is when we give just kind of this like untethered advice about put your 800 number on your homepage well, just, that somebody's going to overcorrect and put it on there like five or six times. Yeah, just and the time. response was, but the call center gets this call all the time. It's well, probably the same five clients. It's probably the same five client doing the same transfer. They're already not using Google. So like the mediums. You can were, you can easily Google a routing number for anybody. And now Google country. just gives it to you. It gives like, it to you. Yeah, routing number goes on. And it was true back then. And and I'm not like, I don't have my my. It's not about having the routing number on the homepage or not. It's about my warning, I guess, is the tendency to overcorrect that the eight hundred number. Well, you talk about the dark practices. Try try cancel or change a uh, um, uh, an airline ticket or flight. Now you can you can do everything on the web. You can book it. You can put your TSA number in. You can do all this stuff. But if the flight gets canceled and you have to try to redo it. Heaven help you finding a 1-800 number they can get anyone on the line. Well, and the worst, the worst is when you tried to figure it out online. And they and then you call and they tell and you they to go tell online? You, and they tell you to do it online. And I'm, do you know you can do this online? No. I, no. I know you can't because I've just spent three hours trying to. trying to do it. But I appreciate you telling me condescendingly that I can't. Um, rental car places. Like changing a rental car. Oh, my gosh. That, well, and, that that one are like hotel, get, hotel, to hotels. Local, I will say this: hotels have gotten better. They have gotten better. Hotels. I'll give my Hilton and my Marriotts, as they like to be called, or Marriott. No, they are they. Their name is Marriott. So, so why do they say Marriott on the the recording? I guess the person got it wrong. Yeah, they I mean, so like it. their name in their TV spots is Marriott. It's Marriott. But if you call certain hotels, Marriott. they're so Marriott. Yeah, Marriott. 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 No, it's they'll say Marriott, but the Marriott. Ironically, they, look, look at this. They've done better. What is that? I can't read it from here. Uh, just my my phone happened to be open to the Marriott Bonvoy. Bonvoy. Anyway. Neat, neat little brand. It, it tries to go a little highbrow on it. Yeah, they don't have um they don't have the the check-in. They hope to add that next year every year. I'm telling you, hey, you got a diamond double double diamond I'm, Dallas page. I'm a double diamond Dallas page, you know, diamonds are but forever. But you got a story. You're good. So. Oh, that's it's kind of sad. So if they listen, but um, so last weekend we were supposed to be in the one and only Nashville, Tennessee, for a uh, club soccer tournament. My daughter plays on a U14 club team, and we were up there for a big tournament. And two days before the tournament, a monsoon and big storm came through and washed away a lot of the fields. And so on Friday afternoon, which Pains everyone because it's within the 24-hour window of everyone checking in because everyone's driving up on Friday. I'll say this Friday morning about 11:30, we get an email from the tournament and it says 
We apologize, but the fields are unplayable. We hate to tell you this, but we've got to cancel the tournament for the weekend. So, tournament canceled. What's the first thing everybody does? And I hate when we use everyone uh, inclusively, but everyone's now calling or getting online to go to their hotels to cancel because why? Tournament's canceled. You don't want to pay. Uh, So you go online, and the first message you get on the app, we happened to be staying in a Hilton Family Hotel, was... Uh, you're within 24 hours. This reservation is too late to cancel. Now, what I don't like about that is, even though it may be too late to cancel, does the hotel just want you to keep? I guess they want you to consider keeping your room and like I don't know because they're. I will say it makes you happy. I, it's not only not making you happy. I don't know. There's a human alive that's going to take that as the final answer. They're going to then call because they say this this is too late to cancel. Great, it may be too late in your opinion. But I website. still need to f- website, but I still am not coming. They're extenuating circumstances. I'm not going. I need to know what I need to do. You're telling me I can't cancel it. Great. Guess what? I'm going to cancel it. Mm-hmm. Hotels are doing so much better, but it's still like you've dead ended me when when I've still I'm still got my car going. I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to drive past the dead end off road because mm-hmm. I got to find out what's going on. Yeah. I call. I'm on the phone. The lady that answers, I called directly to the hotel because you're... How'd you find it? Because that's my other problem, like, especially with rental car and whatever. It's like getting to the property where, like, are you open or closed? Like, and this is a problem with the pandemic because I want to know if you're specific. I know what your hours say, but I'll tell you, since the pandemic uh, began... It's not right. So many times I've shown up, like, it says you're open to 11. Oh, we shut down at 9. I get staffing and all that, but at least you got to inform somebody of what's going on. Well, so here's the other problem that, and this is a Hilton issue, is once you're within the 24-hour can't close rules or their regulation, whatever, it then goes to the general manager of the franchisee of the hotel to make the decision uh, whether they're going to give you your money back or allow you to cancel or not. And if you remember a podcast from probably about a year and a half ago, this happened to me in Augusta, Georgia on Masters Weekend when I couldn't go because of extenuating circumstances, and the general manager wouldn't let me cancel it, but corporate stepped in and canceled it because of Diamond Dallas Page, Double Diamond member. Yeah. So they looked at my status and said, this guy stays in our hotel in a normal year, 40 to 50 nights. Uh, he uses us. He spends a lot of money with us. He has a, a card with us. Obviously, he's a profitable customer, so we're going to waive his cancellation fee and give him his money back. So this very somewhat similar situation is you have 200 families. Well, the whole tournament would have been over 1,000, but you've got, with our team, probably 40 to 50 hotel rooms, maybe 30 hotel rooms because you've got 18 players plus a couple parents plus siblings, et cetera, et cetera, coaches. So you're talking, let's say, 40 hotel rooms booked for this team, right? With Mm -hmm. coaches, with grandparents, everybody going. So let's say you've got 40 hotel rooms booked, and they're giving everyone the same message that we won't cancel. Well, no one's stopping at that message. So to your point, I found the phone number in the the confirmation email because I went back and searched confirmation email. That gave me the direct phone number to the hotel. So I call the hotel. I get a, a nice young lady on the line. She tells me three times while I'm talking to her, can you hold on, I've got another call. And she said, "We." She said, oh, everyone's calling like you uh, about this tournament. And I said, okay. I said, I'll hold. So she comes back and she says, we'll have to call you back. We're getting with the general manager to make the decision on how we're going to refund the rooms now that the tournament's canceled. Mm-hmm. Straight up customer service issue. And here's the thing. I feel for the hotel because they booked rooms out yeah, thinking they that they're getting this revenue. 
Well, they that's their weekend in Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know, every hotel sold out for all these bachelor bachelorette parties. Yeah. Like, it's a hard room to get on the weekends. They've sold out the hotel thinking this term's gap. Now it's canceled. Now they've got a wide open hotel. Think of the revenue they're losing. Mm-hmm. So the general manager starts sending out messages, or there's messages on our group app with our team. The general manager's telling people, we're going to charge you for one night. So they're trying to split the baby, really. Yeah. They're trying to, you know, whatever. They're saying, we're going to charge you for one night, but we're not going to charge you for the two full nights, even though, you know, supposedly you're not supposed to get any money back. We're trying to split it. You yeah. pay us for a night. But people are still angry. Yeah. I mean, it's $200 a night. People are angry. Yeah. Angry. So I'm being prepared for my return call. And the lady calls me back and she said, Mr. Oxford? Said, yes. She said, uh, we would like to let you know that um, we are going to refund your complete balance and there's no charge for your hotel this weekend. Uh, because you are a, wait for it, Diamond member. Diamond member. And I was so pretentiously excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, this is just awesome. Because I am watching the group me comments of everyone just absolutely air hammering the hotel and the Hilton and the Hamptons and these hotels. Because, you know, not our fault we couldn't go. What if we had gotten COVID? Because, you know, you, you've gotten used to this whole cancellation yeah. ability now. And the hotel kept one room night for everybody sent that hotel except for one party. And that is the Oxford party. And we have received a full refund due to our diamond status. Congratulations. And I told one of the team parents about that in an offline conversation. And they were... You decided not to tell anybody They else. really wanted to go online and, uh, and let the rest of the team know because uh, just to say everyone would hate me but they were nice and didn't do it but point being is i'll send the podcast but the point of this is it was a little hard to find the information but they did treat me this is a real world example of them treating me differently because of the business i give to that brand and the loyalty yeah i mean the other folks are saying i'll never stay in hilton again well they probably stay Hilton three times a year i'm pushing 40 nights plus two credit cards plus et cetera, et cetera with them. And I did think about trying to call through to corporate Hilton, which I've done before and said, you know, we stay at a lot of Hiltons. There's 40 people here. Could you give us some slack? But then Hilton would have had to pick up the cost because the general manager was not going to give up those hotel nights that were pre-booked. So now he has an empty hotel with no revenue on a popular weekend in Nashville when it could have been booked out with other parties. So I get the pain for everybody. It stinks. But the example here is, as a high-end customer, compared to the more profitable customer, I don't know how, how high-end I would be, they took care of me, which made me happy, which means I'm going to stay with their brand. And for a bank, it's not about the private client. There's a misnomer about private client customers. The profitability versus the volume that they bring is a little different because you're, a lot of these folks have really huge loans and really mm-hmm. and they're, they're private client. They have a lot of money. But their margins are so thin, and the risk with them is so large because you, you have a, a big risk with the yeah, size of it. Leave, yeah. Something happens, but you take care of them. And yeah. so, I, I, again, my example to me is I don't know how profitable or not I am, but I have a lot of product with them. It's funny that you say private client because um, I've been in there, – there's been a through line, a similar – around this discussion of private client that, you know, if you sit down and you talk about what a bank expects to give a private client as far as service, you know, and you sit down and talk to a community bank, a true community bank, and what and ask them what they offer all of their clients. There's not much difference in that. No, it's packaging and price. Yeah, I mean, some marketer, some point was like, let's put a gold key on it or a platinum key and say this black is card, private client black card. And it's this. It's like, and I dare say, half the banks listening to this podcast 
Student checking is just regular checking with the word Here, student. Here's the in one front that makes me laugh and guilty. I know a lot of banks do this. Some of my friends that work at them that we've talked about laugh, but they have a private client banking office mm-hmm. where you can go privately deposit your check. But you know what you do? You give the check to the banker. They wait for the private client to leave, go, and then they go to the branch it. and deposit yeah. it for you. Like yeah. they, they are literally a runner. Yeah. Um, now I don't know what the risk is in that, so don't hit on my, my friends' other banks if you look up who I'm friends with or LinkedIn or something. But my point is, is like there are a lot it's of all banks. subterfuge. Yeah, it's like, it's real great. I can just drop my check off it. Well, number one, you could have done it over mobile check deposit. Mm-hmm. Number two, they increase limits for private clients, so you mm-hmm. can do more usually because they're, they're better clientele. Um, and their needs are and their needs are more, uh, and so number one, they're missing the the e- where they're thinking is convenient. They're actually inconveniencing themselves by being private client when they would just use the mobile app and, and deposit anyway. But they give it to them, and then and they get they, a high touch, and they talk about the kids' baseball car, game or, or whatever. The, or and, the and then as car so, loan as or, soon as they leave, the banker runs over the branch and deposits the check, which they could have done themselves, but they felt that. But that's the same high group. Touch. But this is probably a group that. Has an inbox and outbox for their emails, physical emails. It just makes me but they laugh. Just, but they don't have the, the the acumen for technology. But in this discussion, I, I guess the points to take away to make this relevant for the money marketers out there is uh, make it easy for your customer to get to where they need to get, even if it's hard, like hard for you to 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 deal with the attitude because it just makes you matter when you can't find it. Uh, go back and listen to some calls at your call center and see how many customers, and it'll be more than you think get on there like, well, it took me forever to get through because I can't find how to get here. Yeah, It's nothing to do with their anger of what they want. I can't find my password. I can't find a number to call you to fix it. And so, like you said, dark practices uh, of hiding a way to get out of the business, hiding a way to cancel. A customer generally will be... Not, I know there's calculated breakage in there where it's like, well, 50% won't take the time to go past three steps. Dark patterns. Doing it, dark patterns. But the, I think the ones that you want are going to go past those ways of getting there. They're going to run through the dead end you try to give them. If you can't cancel, oh, test me because oh, I'm yeah. going to cancel. You've got to be prepared for that. So make it easy on your customer. And that sounds crazy, but like, I think the routing numbers over the top, I think that's really old. Uh, and, you well, can, n- and you can get no, it real not. easily. No, no, I'm just saying... No, it's not from a from a lesson standpoint. From a lesson people standpoint. are doing it. Yeah, but but it, I need a I need a I, I, and I know we don't use necessarily personal examples, but I need a routing number like maybe four times a year, and I just Google it and write it in. Yeah, so it's not well. It's also literally on a check, which yeah, is true. weird to be true. But I don't know if everybody knows the difference in their account number and a routing number on a check. Which I don't even have a check near me at any time. So I, I keep have. one. I've had enough because this weird like. Southern, and I guess, I don't know, New York City is the same way, like, cash only. Not not the recent cash only thing, but the, you know, thank God a few times I've had a checkbook with me because I'm like, here's my card. Like, oh, we only take cash. I'm like, what if I don't have any? I just ate a meal. Like, you have a check? Like, really? <sighs> we don't use checks very much. But anyway, the point of this is make it easy. I know that sounds crazy. But it's like to full circle it back to the ad we saw that was sold to somebody that was going to bring them a lot of business that no one told them they needed the details in the ad of how to get to the location, uh, what the menu is, what your hours are, and they didn't know. And so this restaurant, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, is just churning customers through a branding advertisement. They're paying for impression that's doing doing absolutely nothing for them. Maybe negative. People Um, are getting going, I don't, is it open? Is it closed? What What do we... Unless you've seen it. Now, we're in a relatively small town, so maybe... I don't even know where the one you... 
I know of a restaurant it's like about two miles from here, like the one that you. But that's saw. because I, I nerdily took the time to look it up because I was like, I've got to know about this. Yeah. Uh, so um, to full circle it. So the ad worked, is what you're saying? No. It worked because I'm interested in the ad, not because I'm interested in what they have to offer. Yep. Uh, but anyway, long story short, make it simple. Don't frustrate your customers. Put it on. Put the one eight hundred number, or whatever number you have. The eight six. And if this is number. obvious to you, then you're not one of the. Yeah, if it's obvious to you, you're probably like we're doing well. If you have a chat bot, make sure it works. Don't just say our chat box is only open beca- between nine a.m. and four p.m. Well, buddy, that's when the branch is open. That's when your call center is open. If you have a chat bot, make it open from seven p.m. to seven a.m. Yeah, make it open when I can't get you and I need something. Well, also kind of like text. I hate chatbots. Oh, I don't like them either. The bots are, but I mean the bot. You're talking about a chat versus a chatbot. The chats open both to staff. Them. Both of them. Yeah, That's, they're, they're there to be staffed. The yeah. chatbot is the automated response that we don't like artificial colors or flavoring. So why are we dealing with artificial intelligence that cannot li- literally in banking? I don't know how companies. And I probably am going to get slammed for this or dirty emails, but like, I don't know how companies are selling something to banks that literally, like a chat, but what, what's it going to do for you? Like, it's, it's, it's a search. It's like, what's the phone number? What's whatever? It can help you in the account issue. It never helps me. I've never had a good experience with a chat. Ne- never Maybe I sound like a big boomer. No, no, you like don't. It's, it's all like, I, I just did one of these for a software platform we were interested in. Like, find out about, get pricing. And I'm like, okay, get pricing. A chat bot opens. And it's like, how big is your company? Like, pre, like selecting pre- 30 to 50 employees. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. literally 30 yeah. to 50, which I thought was a really weird number. And, I, and then it's like, uh, call Tammy at this number. And I'm why like, wouldn't you just call? Why wouldn't? I'm like, this was just a search. Like, all you did is ask me some questions in like this format that made it feel like I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm too like hip to what's going on behind the scenes. But anyway, it's, it's down there with text marketing to me. And I'm saying that when I said like, keep your mind open to advertising platforms. Yeah. Some are valid and some are just dead on arrival. Um, just like this podcast. He's now dead. On departure, departure. So, for the uh, <laughs> marketers out there, hope you had a happy Halloween and had some oh, fresh candy. By the way, by the way, just a little benchmarking. I don't know what was up two weeks ago when we were on the lag, like you know, not having a podcast. Yeah, number one um, listens with no new podcast. Number one listens with no. What's that mean? So on weeks that we don't release a new podcast, every other week. Yeah, those weeks. Yeah. Normally, listenership drops. Yes. It stayed even. So people delayed their listening? Now they just listen more. Oh, well. It's weird. Well, we're exciting. Yeah. Uh, Maybe not. But anyway, for uh, myself, John Oxford with Renaissance Bank, and for Josh Mabus of the Mabus Agency. I'd say for yourself, for myself, for his self. Bye. See ya.
views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mavis Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.